It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I felt like our football team has gotten some confidence back yesterday, even though we lost. And I'm hopeful that they'll continue to carry it forward throughout the rest of the season. If we do that, we're going to win some games. Locked on Vikings on an election Tuesday in the Twin Cities. Sam Ekstrom joining you on the program at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Employed by ColdOmaha.com and Cumulus Media. Find my Vikings work there. You can also find the Vikings work of one Luke Inman who breaks down video for ColdOmaha.com and the Cumulus Media Network, 92 KQRS, 93X, 105 The Vibe. He joins us now to talk some purple in the wake of a three-game losing streak. Luke Inman, welcome to the show. Good to have you back. Hey, feels good to be back on, man. Happy birthday, by the way. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate it. You know, I was born on an election day, and today happens to be an election day. You going to be voting? Uh, you got to vote. Make sure if you're listening to this and you haven't voted, make sure to get out there and vote. Could be the difference, Sam. You never know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Make sure you uh, download the podcast and, and take it with you in the voting lines in case you need to wait for two and a half hours. Listen to us on iTunes, coldomaha.com, audio boom, lots of partners where you can hear the show. So the Vikings are five and three. They've lost three in a row. And, you know, last week they tried to make a change at offensive coordinator or, or Norv resigned. We're not really sure how that went down. But this week it looks like they might make a change at kicker Blair Walsh reportedly is on the hot seat, bringing in some competition to perhaps compete with Blair Walsh or straight up replace Blair Walsh before the next game against Washington. What do you make of that, Luke? Well, it's funny. I'm glad you started with that because I know we had a small window of time to really hammer out this Lions-Vikings game and really the collapse that what was a very winnable game at home. And when you look at the stats... This game is really cut right down the middle with the knife as far as every single stat you could pull out. It's pretty much uh, 50-50 passing first downs, 12 to 13. Total plays, 62 to 67. Total drives, 11 to 10. Check this one out. Yards per play, five yards for the Lions, five yards for the Vikings. I mean, this game really came down to a handful of plays, like most games do, about three, four plays. Unfortunately for Blair Walsh, two of those four plays were on his foot. And I think when you look back, this guy has shown that he he can do it. He's done it before. He did it his rookie year, going an astounding 10 for 10 at 50-plus yard field goals. The problem is, and the issue is, you know he can do it, Sam, but the do you ride this wave out? How long can you sit here and kind of say, this is my guy, I'm going to stick with him? Because remember, Mason Crosby, 
a division rival went through mm-hmm. a slump like this a few years ago. Uh, back in 2012, he had a monster season. was phenomenal. Then he went through a 10-game stretch where he went 12 of 24. And that was something that back in, in that time, you know, the extra points weren't really a factor for kickers then. You figure Crosby probably would have missed a few of those extra points as well if he was just going through a slump like he was going 12 of 24. So the Packers never wavered. They stuck through him. They stuck with him. And eventually he got out of that slump and he uh, hit 86% of his uh, remaining field goals going 24 of 28. So the thing is with Blair is that he's done it before. I'm not sure, and, and there's no doubting he's in a, a really bad slump. He's in his head. The confidence is lost. The, the locker room right now is a little shook up. I'm not sure how many people in that locker room really trust Blair. I think that's the biggest issue here. Um, the problem is you know he's done it. You know he can do it. He's probably going to get through that slump eventually. Who are they going to bring in right now that gives you the same ceiling and the same, um, I guess, ability and talent, uh, young talent, by the way, at that kicker position that that Blair Walsh brings to the table. Now, it's more of a short-term solution. You bring in a Randy Bullock or you bring in a Kai Forbath, uh, the former Washington Redskins kicker. Uh, the confidence will be restored. You know, you're not going to hold your breath every extra point that goes out there. But the long-term solution, you don't have – there's a reason they're on the streets – you don't have that same high ceiling that Blair Walsh gives you with the big leg. And again, the ability to go on stretches, uh, unlike that he's going through now, to, to rip off 10 uh, of 10 from 50-plus like he's done before. So it's a tough spot. Do you mortgage the future to kind of go all in on this season like they've shown they've already done before, pushing the chips in, going to get a Sam Bradford when Teddy Bridgewater went down, um, kind of, I guess, the North Turner situation is still a little sensitive. We don't know what happened there behind the scenes. But, you know, clearly Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are kind of going all in on this year. Do you mortgage the future of the kicker and what Blair Walsh can do once he gets out of the slump for a guy that can come in and at least knock down those extra points? And there's sure-handed field goals, those those 40-and-in field goals, which right now Blair Walsh just simply can't hit. Yeah, it's tough because you imagine that Walsh at some point will rebound from this. The question is, what jersey will he be wearing? And you mentioned those 40 and in kicks. This isn't a guy who's reportedly working out today. That would be Kai Forbath and Randy Bullock. But I would have been a big proponent of Shane Graham, the journeyman kicker who spent a lot of time in Cincinnati and has bounced around in recent years. Most recently, he kicked in Atlanta for a short time last season. And with the Falcons, he made all of his kicks 40 yards and in. He missed two kicks between 40 and 49 yards, went three for three, 50 and beyond. All told, 19 of 21 last year with the Falcons. He's 38 years old. So you got to think nerves are not going to be an issue. He's been around the block before with 324 career field goal attempts and 85% career kicker. He's got a fantastic resume. Now, for his entire career, he's not very good from distance. Just 17 of 32 from 50 and beyond. He may not be able to deliver the Matt Prater-like heroics. But if you want a guy who's going to hit from 
up to, uh, you know, the 33-yard extra point and up to 40 yards. Shane Graham seems like the guy with the best pedigree. I mean, there was also the name Garrett Hartley tossed around who infamously beat the Vikings in the 09 NFC Championship game, but he's been out of work for over two seasons. He didn't hasn't kicked since uh, he worked in Cleveland for a couple games back in 2014, had a horrible year in New Orleans in 2013, and really hasn't played much since. And then one of the guys in the Star Tribune report, Randy Bullock, 26 year-old played one game with New York this year as he filled in for Josh Brown and then uh, basically came from Houston after spending three and a half years there he's an 80 percent kicker so the philosophical question the Vikings have to ask is are you looking for an eight game band-aid or are you looking for somebody who can step in and potentially be an answer longer term yeah no you're absolutely right you ripped out three great names options out there I think Garrett Hartley the reason he hasn't been in the league for two plus years he had a really bad injury I don't know if it was a leg or foot but he's been out of the league due to injury for quite a while but you know I, I, of those names I'm not sure and Shane Graham was certainly appealing from the numbers that you brought out from a veteran standpoint kind of ice in the veins guy that can go in there these last eight games and go into the playoffs with you again that you can feel confident just going to make some extra points and and some chip shot field goals but uh, again, I don't know who they're bringing in right now more than the names that were mentioned yesterday, and that's Kai Forbath and, and um, Randy Bullock. So I'm not sure if Shane Graham is on their wish list or not. I know the two names uh, previously mentioned are, are being brought in, whether it was yesterday or today, and we don't know if that's just more of a psychological thing, uh, if that's something to re-motivate Blair Walsh because they've never really – hindered or wavered on him before, maybe they're trying something new, um, or if they're very, very serious about bringing somebody in, which a lot of people think they are, which you, you couldn't really knock them for doing that after the stretch going back to last year's playoff game, something that Blair Walsh should have made that field goal against the Seattle Seahawks at home, a chip shot field goal by all counts, and from there, He's had too much offseason. I think this was one of the bigger problems. He had all offseason to sit and sulk on that. The best thing for him would have been able to go redeem himself uh, the next week and, and get that out of his head and psyche. Unfortunately, he had to sit all offseason with that, um, that, that excruciating miss uh, that uh, ultimately ended the Viking season. And I think that has really hindered his confidence as well, personally. So um, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what's going on through his head. I can guarantee you, though, as a golfer that, you know, people go through these ebbs and flows. And right now, Walsh is definitely in the worst slump of his career. And it's more mental than anything. The problem is in the locker room and up in the ranks through the coaches and general managers, things like that. Nobody has confidence in him right now. And, and, and when your teammates don't have confidence, that's that's a tough thing to overcome when you're walking through Winter Park every day and nobody wants to talk at you, let alone look at you. So um, I think a move is, is certainly something that's more than just re, you know a possibility. But again, long term, I think Walsh, again, has the ability to overcome these ebbs and flows and kind of outkick this slump just like Mason Crosby did again when he missed 12 of 24 kicks back in 2012 I believe so um, short term you bring in a veteran long term Walsh is still your guy but 
again, as as the GM and coaches proved this year, they're kind of all in on this year and making some big strides. And they've faced a lot of adversity through injuries and, and different guys going down. Are they going to make another move here in the middle of the season um, to at least shore up that special teams gaffe, which has been, you know, below average at best so far? Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. It's Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network, Sam Ekstrom and Luke Inman. Luke, you can be found on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. And last night you were hammering out some Vikings clips from Sunday's loss against Detroit. Uh, You do a great job breaking down film, and it's always fun to see what you come away with from these film sessions of yours where I think I assume that you just sit in your man cave and you, you put on some Metallica in your ear and you just, you just hammer through this and pull in gifs right and left out. What was your biggest takeaway from Vikings lions film? Well, Sam, I, I made it through a little bit more than the first two and a half quarters. I still got to go really break down when the Vikings defense really clamped down in that second half and forced a lot of three and outs uh, and then, obviously, the big drive at the end of the game in overtime needs to be broken down as well. But, you know, when they went 5-0, and Sam, they their turnover, it was a, it's a simple game. You win the turnover battle, you're probably going to win most of these games. They were plus 11 those first five games in the turnover ratio. Through their last three games, they're plus one. So still great to be in the green and not the red. Still better to be positive than negative. But you can see the lack of turnovers have really hindered putting the offense in great positions to go score. Now, Chad Greenway, the plus one, he went and and at least set him up at, what, the 19-yard line, 18-yard line, and obviously we resulted in a punt, which is just unexcusable at that point, two penalties and a sack later, and they're punting, unbelievable turn of events there. And really, if you remember right, after that punt, which should have been at least three points, that was when the, the the Lions went on that 17-play, eight-minute drive and went all the way down the field to score. So um, big swing and turn of events there. Two of five trips ended, uh, excuse me, in the red zone, ended in touchdowns. The, the red zone offense is still really bad, just to put it bluntly. They got to find different ways to switch it up. I think their short yardage running game is atrocious right now to – being third and one and have two shots and run it right up the middle, it's so predictable at this point. And you're hoping for Pat Sherman to come in and, and throw some new wrinkles in, which he did. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff to build upon on this offense, but he didn't do enough to kind of get away from what North Turner does. And how, how far can you get away from what North Turner does? in just five days, that was a tough thing to ask. But um, there was certainly some situations where it looked copy and paste, just like North Turner, specifically in the run game. Um, So that is a little discouraging. Again, plenty of encouraging signs on the offense, quick passing games, quick hitters to – to guys that are really dangerous with the ball in their hands in open space. So it makes so much sense to get Cordero Patterson and Stephon Diggs uh, the ball really quick in open space and make men miss, which they did. 
early in the game. That was really um, a positive thing to build upon. Running game needs to get better. I don't think after the first five games when you go 5-0, and anybody even thought about Adrian Peterson. But this is uh, the fact that our short yardage running game is below average at best. And Adrian Peterson, if and when he can come back, is going to add a huge boost to at least just the threat of running on those third and one, fourth and inches type situations. And he's going to be really a nice asset to the short yardage running game. Uh, even if the offensive line can't get a push, the name itself causes and draws attention from the defense. And you can do a lot of those things with Sam Bradford. So um, still going through the rest of the tape. I thought the defense did a good job for the most part, but the biggest thing, and I'll leave you with this, when it came down to it on third downs, they just couldn't get off the field. It seemed like every time they're in a big third down situation, whether it was a Xavier Rhodes penalty or, uh, you know, credit the Lions, they ran on third down a lot, which is something the Vikings have never faced. They ran right in the teeth of that A-gap blitz, that double A-gap look, which was mm -hmm. something that was really surprising and caught the Vikings defense off guard, and they were successful at it. Uh, I hate to say that that teams now have a little bit of more blueprint on how to beat this Vikings defense, specifically that double-A gap look. So third downs, they couldn't get off the field. Turnovers, they just simply haven't been getting the job done. And running the ball in short yardage situations has been atrocious, Sam. Those are the things that they need to figure out moving forward. All in all, though, you only gave up 16 points in regulation. What more do you want from that defense? They still did a hell of a job. Special teams was the reason they lost this game against Detroit. Yeah, and I'll remark on a couple of those items, too. Um, firstly, the offensive side of things for the Vikings. I think that those two play calls we saw uh, with Linval, actually, as the fullback. That was great. Yeah, I think that was great. And I think those – and, you know, look at the first result. It was a play action, I think, to, to Rudolph in the back of the end Wild. zone for a touchdown, which is yeah. – I mean, that's great. That's the kind of diversity you need in short yardage. You can't constantly run between the tackles. And then giving it to Ellison at the end of the game was genius. And it's that it. it's those kind of wrinkles – that teams will now see on tape and say, okay, at least we have to prepare for something. At least the Vikings have the capability to do something different in these short yardage situations. I mean, look at how many times they've failed in short yardage this season. Those are important steps forward. I think they're not quite there yet, but I think they're moving in the right direction there. Defensively, it seemed like the Vikings basically – got all of their uh, mishaps, all of their shortcomings dumped out on two separate drives. It was the, the overtime drive, the end of the first half drive, and then obviously the prevent defense at the end of the game. Other than that, I mean, they were dominant. They were fantastic. I think Detroit had all but one of their third down conversions on those two drives that I mentioned. So basically the Vikings were locked down vintage Vikings defense for what, you know, 10 of their 12 drives and then just two drives. They, yeah. they let them get on all of that yardage. Yeah. You know something too. And you're absolutely right. And you and I sat there at training camp in Mankato months ago and looked at this team and it's not that much different from what it is now, as far as our prediction, when we said, you know what? The offensive line is probably going to be a work in progress. We didn't know what Matt Khalil was going to bring to the table. We hoped Alex Boone was going to help. Is John Sullivan going to be on the team? Andre Smith hopefully adds something. Uh, then Phil Lodeholt retired. The offensive line was a big question mark. The quarterback, uh, Teddy Bridgewater progressing, was, was something that gave you a lot of hope. And there's some playmakers with digs and whatnot. But you knew the defense 
no matter what the offense did, the defense was going to keep you in every game. You know, there was never going to be any blowouts. You're always going to be within at least one possession or so it seemed. The front four was really going to be able to get after you, and the defense was going to start to make some plays. And that's certainly uh, the epitome of what they've been this year. They've been able to keep uh, the offense uh, within a possession pretty much every game. They've been able to clamp down quite a bit. The defense is doing their job. When you talk about the two drives that the Lions kind of exposed or kind of dinked and dunked or really picked them apart, I think you really just at the end of the day give the Lions and Matt Stafford some credit for what they're doing, not only that game, but this year. You know, they're 5-4, and four, but they've been in a lot of games, and when they lose Calvin Johnson, you think it's over. Matt Stafford's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and – that's something that's going highly unnoticed, I think, right now. And what they're doing is ever since they got rid of Calvin Johnson, very similar to, to when Adrian Peterson went down, mm-hmm. this offense has become much more organic. There's four, five different guys between Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Anquan Bolden, Eric Ebron stepping up a first-round pick. Theo Riddick is outstanding in the passing game. And that's five guys right there that Matthew Stafford's just going through his reads, his progressions, which he's outstanding at. And he's rifling that ball in there with an outstanding arm and, and, and ball placement. And he's just going to the guy who's open and letting his receivers make plays. So it's a very organic offense. He's not forcing anything. It's very natural. Take what the defense gives you. And on those two drives, the Lions and Matt Stafford just got in a zone. And they were able to pick the Vikings defense apart, specifically on third down. So uh, the Vikings defense did a great job, like you said, besides two drives. But Matt Stafford, give him credit where credit's due. Uh, They got that offense rolling right now, and they're doing some great things. Yeah, he's spreading the ball around for sure. And one guy who got the ball for the Vikings was Laquan Treadwell. His first catch of the season comes in game number eight. Now, Luke, you're a big draft guy. I want you to go back in your hot tub time machine. Think of how you evaluated Treadwell going into the draft, coming out of the draft. Obviously, there were high expectations for Treadwell going into the season. He hasn't been able to find his way on the field much until now. Did you foresee these early struggles for Treadwell? Were there flaws in his game that you thought might not translate well to the NFL? Well, I can't sit here and really, truly say that he's had struggles because he really hasn't even given the opportunity to be on the field. And one of the big problems with, I was talking to Jeff Risden from Detroit Lions yesterday on Twitter, is that Adam Thielen has came out of nowhere, and not nowhere if you've followed him at all in the past two, two, three years, but, but to the surface fan, came out of nowhere, worked his rear end off, been a coach's dream, you know, the cliche pretty much, and and he's really taken that number two job, Stephon Diggs, they love in the slot. And then, you know, everybody wants Cordero Patterson on the field, um, and his explosion and his potential is game-changing um, kind of persona. So that's three receivers right there. You sprinkle in a Jarius Wright or Charles Johnson, I'm not sure there was really ever these first eight weeks a lot of room for Laquan Treadwell. It's a good problem to have. Kind of like the Lions, they have three number two receivers. They don't have that number one Megatron, Julio Jones, A.J. Green. Same with the Vikings. They got three kind of number two receivers right now in Diggs, Patterson, and Thielen. Uh, He'll work his way into the rotation, going back to what he was coming out of Old Miss. Remember, he's young. He's only 21, going on 22 years old. Um, The epitome of what he was coming out was exactly what you saw in about two plays there with the deep, in crossing over the middle uh, on his first catch. 
on a first down, about a 12, 13-yard gain. He gives you that big body. He's not going to uh, wow you with speed. You see there's three guys right there. Uh, he's not going to create a lot of separation, but gives you that big body, the big target over the middle of the field. He's physical. And then you saw two plays later, his run blocking, his physicality. He pancaked a cornerback on, I think it was Ronnie Hillman, about eight-yard run. And that's what he's going to give you. You see these wide receivers go in line a lot and block. I think Treadwell's going to add a lot once he gets into the rotation, into the running game, which isn't something that you want to draft a receiver on in the first round. But trust me, in this offense and how bad they've struggled in the run game, it's going to help. And that's something that's going to be a big asset. So he's going to help in the red zone. He's going to give you that big body. He's going to work his way into the rotation these last eight games, similar to what Cordell Patterson did his rookie year under Leslie Frazier and Bill Musgrave. I think he gives you another guy, another weapon, um, to kind of just sprinkle in and help balance out this offense. I think eventually, though, Sam, he's going to take over for that Charles Johnson and start start stealing some of his snaps, I think, um, because I think at this point Charles Johnson just hasn't lived up to the hype. It's mm -hmm. time to get a new face in there, a fresh identity. You use a first-round pick on him. I think he's ready to roll, and you get him in the mix with Thielen, Diggs, Patterson, there's talent on this offense. They just need to put it all together. That's on Pat Sherman right now, and that's going to be his job moving forward these last eight weeks of the season. Yeah, and in fairness to Pat, too, Sam Bradford said something interesting after the game on Sunday. He said that the game plan was pretty well implemented by Wednesday morning when Norv made the decision to resign or, or whatever happened there. So there's something to, to go on. Maybe the offense will evolve even more now that Shermer has the entire week to himself to put this game plan together. So there's definitely upside, I think, to this offense. Mike Zimmer was super encouraged by it after the game Sunday and then again on Monday at his press conference at Winter Park. There's, I think, optimism in the Vikings camp. The question is, is it enough to get them a win on Sunday against Washington? We'll find out. Luke, our time went way too fast, man. Uh, As always. Always flies. Appreciate you coming on at Luke underscore Spinman on Twitter, where I'm sure you'll be breaking down the second half of that Vikings game. People can follow you for videos and insights. Do you have an idea what you're working on for Cold Omaha coming up? Well, we're going to continue to break down this Lions game a little bit, and then I'd like to preview the Washington Redskins a little bit and just kind of show people what they do well because it seems like Kirk Cousins, he's a guy who can go off for four touchdowns one week and then throw three interceptions the next week. You don't really know what you're going to get with that Redskins offense and Jay Gruden. Big high potential, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, um, and then Jamison Crowder in the middle there in the slot. So um, besides that, this Vikings team just seems to always struggle just a little bit outdoor, on the road. You saw it in Philly. You saw it in Chicago. Um, you know, they're slumping right now. The thing is, don't let this three-game skid spiral down into, a, you know, a, a kind of a season-ending spiral, I guess you could say, because at this point, you're still 5-3 and three when you look in the mirror and step back and look at the big picture Plenty to build upon. Pat Shermer just needs to continue to evolve this offense. And the defense, like we mentioned, is going to keep you in every game. So check out the, uh, the, the Lions recap and then the Washington Redskin preview coming up here in the next few days. Big thanks to Luke Inman, ColdOmaha.com, Cumulus Media. Thanks for listening to Locked On Vikings today. Make sure to get out there and do your civic duty. Vote in this election. And listen to Locked On Vikings tomorrow with Sage Rosenfels back on the program. Thanks for listening. This is the Locked On Podcast Network.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.